From Bumble Australia and Shameless Media, this is Love Etc. When my love takes me home, it's one of five to thirty miles on. Have you ever questioned your sexuality? Is there a possibility that your attraction to other people doesn't fit into a neat box? Or maybe, just maybe, have you walked away from a great love in search of who you really are and what you really want? Welcome to Love Etc. where your hosts, Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, you're listening to Love Etc., a podcast by Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move. Today, we're talking to one woman about the experience of discovering her sexuality in the midst of a committed relationship to a man. Here's Liv, a woman who fell madly in love with a man, only to learn that deep down, she's always yearned for something that he couldn't quite offer. By the way, guys, you're not going to hear me as much in this episode because I was sick on the day we recorded with Liv, but listening back to this chat between Liv and Zara and editing it has been such a joy, and I hope you love it as much as I loved listening back to it. Tell us how you met Jason. So we had met when I was about 19 or 20 um, through mutual friends that I went to school with and his friends they were all kind of dating and we went out for drinks one night and we just hit it off and we became friends so we were friends for probably two years before we even got together we tried dating a few times you know but it never worked out the timing was just off what Um, do you mean by that do you mean like were you always interested in him yes and no like we kind of just floated in and in and out of each other's lives in the sense that we'd hang out quite a bit and we'd start developing feelings but then like one example is he went to Europe for six weeks and he was kind of just like, I don't want to have a girlfriend when I'm going to be overseas for six weeks. So it was always a matter of like, we taxied down the runway, but never achieved liftoff. What did you first notice about him? He's just nice. He's just a really, really lovely guy. And we'll talk to anyone. He's very genuinely interested in what you've got to say. And I think that's quite infectious. And I found that even when we were dating, when we'd go out to family occasions or friend you know, friends' birthdays or stuff like that. He was always so interested in what other people were saying and people people are just drawn to him in that sense. So I think that's what I really liked about him and there was just, he just seemed very authentic and I just, I loved that about him. Talk to us about the friendship initially. Yeah. What was that friendship like? It was really good because he was quite separate from my normal group of friends. So he's someone that I could just chat to, we'd go out for drinks and we'd watch the football you know, we'd go play pool and we could just, it was just nice having a friend who was really separate from my normal life. It was easy as well. We didn't have to be talking every day. It was, you know, we could message every couple of weeks and it wasn't like there was no animosity there for not checking in, the, you know, the, the previous few weeks. It was just a really easy friendship and everything went seamlessly. So after two years you start dating? Yes. So we were texting one night and I think we were both always just really conscious that there was a bit of a history there. And, you know, I think our mutual friends had always kind of thought that we would be a great pair or a great match and that we'd make a great couple. And so I think that was always in the back of our minds. And Had you kissed before? Yes. Yeah, we had. And one night, yeah, we were messaging and he just said, all right, I'm going to take you out on a real date. Because before it was just like, let's catch up, let's get drinks. And then suddenly he used the D word and I was like, okay, this is <laughs> this is something. So we went out on a date that Friday night and 
it was kind of clear from the get-go that it would be something serious, it would be something long-term. There was no there was no misconceptions, there was no confusion about where I stood for him and there was no confusion about where he stood for me. So from that first date, it was pretty pretty locked in that we were really starting something, that we were changing from friends to relationship. Where did you go for the date? What did you do? We just went out for dinner at this restaurant in the northern suburbs in Epping and it was just a nice dinner and then we went for a drive for a while and he just kind of showed, like, showed me where he grew up and just talked and it was really nice. So what was the conversation in the car and at dinner? Like you're clearly going from friends but something, you know, is yeah, bubbling below well, to this is a thing. How do you have that conversation? I guess... I mean, it was all the same sort of conversation. I mean, that's that's the thing I'll always say about my, my relationship with Jason is that everything was so easy and seamless and we never had to work hard at it. Not that we ignored everything or we had issues that we just didn't discuss. I guess it was just that we connected on so many different levels that everything was just easy. So even though we were going from casual drinks with a friend to on a date with you know, a potential suitor, for lack of a better <laughs> word. It, it was the same kind of conversation, I guess, maybe getting to know each other on a more intimate level. So talking about our families and our friends and all that sort of stuff rather than just like, oh, what's the score on the footy, you know, just a bit more depth, I guess. How long did it take you to fall in love with him? Probably about a year. We waited a year to say I love yous. And I think that's just because I'm by nature quite guarded and I just I hadn't felt it before so I wanted to make sure that that's how I felt before I said it and it was the same with him so we kind of said it to each other on the same night it was on our one-year anniversary he'd written it in a card and then I said it back to him and it just felt right it felt good yeah I've loved him very very much um and we started dating about three months after my dad had passed away and he came into my family when the dynamic had completely shifted. So my brother was moving out because he'd just gotten married and my mum was understandably just in this horrible state. So he just had this really good intuitive way of knowing when to come in gung-ho and just really try and lift the mood and other times he would just come in and be really subdued and sort of say, look, I'm just going to let it be. I'll be here but I'm just going to let it be. And I think that's what I really liked is that I never had to explicitly say anything he could just walk in and know the mood of the room and then uh, like adjust his approach that way. Was that timing, I mean, do you look back and say it was quite maybe subconsciously deliberate from you to start dating him after experiencing such a huge loss? Part of me, yes. And I think if we hadn't been friends beforehand, then I absolutely would have agreed with that because the timing was just crazy, like three months afterwards. But I think because we had been friends previously and you know he was around and present during my dad's battle with cancer which was about six months so he was there for the whole thing and he knew what was going on so I think having that relationship or that friendship beforehand it put my mind at ease you know when I'd get or when I do too many head miles and think maybe I shouldn't be doing this like maybe this is just some sort of emotional you know reflex to just kind of find that affection somewhere else or whatever it might be it did occur to me, but I think, yeah, just knowing that we'd already been friends before and had that kind of relationship before, that it was fine. Was he like your safe space? A little bit. I'd seen other friends have, I guess, quite tumultuous relationships, not in the sense that it was dangerous or really concerning, but just, you know, 21-year-old relationships. So I'd, had, I'd seen friends go through that and everything with Jason was just easy. 
and we enjoyed spending time together. I was never in a rush to get married or have kids or move in together. I was very much just like, well, I'm, you know, 21, 22, let's just date. You know, go out to the movies or go out for dinner, go see each other's family, like let's just keep it fun for now. What were the great days like? Do you have any key memories that you hold on to being like, that was a great day? Yeah, I think it was when we would go away for weekends. So I think our first, you know, my first trip away with a boy mm-hmm. was with Jason and we went to Dalesford for the weekend. Very romantic. It, yeah, it was so nice. And that was for like our six month anniversary because we were those dorks. <laughs> <laughs> everybody pretends they're not those dorks, but Absolutely. everybody is. <laughs> and it was just really nice because um, he'd booked this really nice Airbnb and we went out for a few nice dinners and went for a couple of hikes. And that was really nice. And I remember one time, so it was my mum's birthday not long after Jason and I started dating maybe a year in and he just came in one morning with like that morning with a birthday cake you know it's nine in the morning and he's chucking candles in a Coles mud cake and he was just so there for her always and that always made me smile because he always just understood and he was always there to make everyone feel good and feel happy and he he did that really well you know mum just adored him so so much. Were there any bad days? No, and I, I know that sounds like a real cop-out or like I'm, you know, for lack of a better word, polishing the turd, but everything was really good and easy. And I always kind of said to my friends who would fight with their partners, the fight that Jason and I ever have will be the fight. You know, we're not the, we're not the fiery kinds of people that would fight one weekend and make up the next and just have this constant string of fights thrown together. I always just kind of thought if we ever have a fight, it'll be the fight and that'll be it. And, I mean, in the end, that's kind of how it was. Up until this point before you were with Jason, were all your partners male? I'd actually never been in a relationship before. I had a really staunch, like, don't be in a relationship between 18 to 21. It was just something that I'd said to myself because I thought I need to just go out and be free. But, I mean, generally speaking, anyone that I would, you know, meet out, it was male, but I felt very comfortable in that I might have some attraction to girls So growing up, my parents were super progressive. You know, it wasn't like a household like in sex education where it's just all out there. But um, there was no, like, there was just no need to have those kinds of talks. Like it was just sort of semi-openly discussed. So even with things like same-sex marriage, my parents were sort of like, you don't need to accept it because accepting it is like acknowledging there's a point of difference. Whereas there's no difference between the love between a man and a man or a woman and a woman and the love between a man and a woman. Like, there's no difference. So you don't need to accept anything. So I always just felt really comfortable that, especially, like, with the ebbs and flows of puberty, that I I would get attractions to boys and girls, and that's how it was. And I just felt really comfortable, like, going through high school, like, oh, you know, this girl is, you know, she's really pretty, this, that, the other. But also knowing that a week later it would be like, oh, that guy on the bus is so hot. Oh, my God. So I felt really comfortable with all that sort of stuff. And I guess by the time that Jason and I had gotten together, I hadn't really explored that side of anything because I never felt the need to. I always just kind of felt like sexuality is just so fluid that you just kind of roll with it. And Jason was the one that I wanted to be with. So it didn't really matter to me to explore that any further. How old were you and what happened when he proposed? I was nearly 27. Um, So this was in 2016 and this is kind of where a lot of things for me changed. I was splitting my time between Melbourne and the Philippines for work 
and I had just gotten home from a three-week stint. So flown overnight and I'm a horrible flyer. Like I just, I run anxious. I don't sleep. It's horrible. And he had planned a night away for our five-year anniversary. And so we were going up to Lake's entrance and I, I get off the flight. I throw up. He's got a bunch of flowers in his hands. And then we get in the car and we go to Lake's entrance and I look a mess. Like I just, no one's proposing to me the way I look this weekend. Like it's disgusting. And um, we put our bags down in the room. Like it's a long drive there. Put our bags down and it's like, let's go for a walk. So we go to the beach and it's pretty quiet because I think it was a Friday and it's March. So it's, it's not peak season. And I turn around for one second and then by the time I turn back around, he's on one knee with a ring in his hand and I can't even remember what he said. I just remember being like, are you sure? (laughs) Really? (laughs) And yeah, he proposed and I said yes and I was on cloud nine because this boy that I loved so much and we lived together and we, you know, we were starting a life together. He it just said that he wanted to be with me forever. So it was just, it was perfect. Is it something that you had spoken about before and was it something that you were expecting? Um, I think because we'd been together so long, I wasn't surprised that he wanted to get married because I guess we kind of had spoken about it just more in, in passing about long-term future sort of stuff. You know, there'd been times where we would go and look at houses and everything just seemed very certain with us, which I, I liked, you know, I do like a bit of certainty, but I had no idea he was planning it for that weekend. I really just thought we were going away and it was beautiful. Were there any niggles? When did the niggles come? The niggles started for me, I think, later that year. So when I was splitting my time between overseas and Melbourne, most of the time it was with other people from my company. So there wasn't a whole lot of time spent alone to just kind of be alone with your thoughts or do any head miles. The last trip that I did was for a few months and it was by myself. And I mean, the silence was absolutely deafening. You know, you'd go to work and you'd go back to the hotel, which was a two minute walk away, go to the gym and then, you know, it's six o'clock at night. So there's not a whole lot to do. And I just, I I guess I was left alone with my thoughts quite a bit, which I don't think I'd had ever. So there was just a lot of time to reflect. And I guess I point to this trip in particular, as a big turning point for so much. You know, I feel like I became so much more independent, a lot more thick-skinned, and I think that's when I started thinking, I'm I'm not sure if this is what I want. And I didn't know exactly where it was coming from, like what was driving those thoughts. At the time, I thought it was because I had decided I didn't want to have children, and I knew that Jason was really big on starting a family and everything like that. So that was a conversation I knew we had to have when I returned but I also had a friend who was quite removed from my normal circle and we were quite close and we just had a really good emotional connection and I think at the time I'm not sure if it was out of loneliness or anything but I think I just started having those feelings for her and that made things quite confusing because I think at the time when I was overseas I thought well this will go away when I go home and I'm and I'm around Jason and my family and everything goes back to normal like once I'm home it'll be fine and then it didn't change when I got home. Did you miss him while you were there? I did but I think when I got home because so much had changed I was so distant I just and we'd had it before when I'd come back from trips you know just kind of reconnecting and figuring out where everything sits but this one was different where we'd he'd actually ask me you know do you still love me and he'd start crying because he was just so upset with what was happening because I just, I wasn't connecting with him. And it was absolutely coming from my end. Like looking back, I can absolutely see it. And that was really hard because of course I loved him, but there was just so much going on in my head that I couldn't figure out. 
When you kind of have this dawning realisation when you're overseas that something's not right and you can't pinpoint it, what does that feel like? It's hard because, oh God, this is really horrible, but it's almost easy to fake it through a text message, you know. You can just be like, oh, you know, how was your day? How's this? Oh, this is what I did today. It's much easier to kind of seem like everything's normal and sort of think, I'll just get a good night's sleep and I'll feel better tomorrow or, you know, when I get back, everything will feel normal. It was tricky, but I think I realised the magnitude of the issue when I came home and I didn't feel any differently to when I felt when I was overseas. And how do you think he noticed? Did you say anything when he landed or was it literally just your demeanour? I was very distant and normally, you know, I'm quite a bubbly person. So I think he just noticed that I was quite distant and I guess just not present. And what happens after that? I guess, you know, I'm still speaking quite frequently with this friend who I feel like I've got really strong feelings for but I would never have let anything happen you know my whole shtick was you you just you can't do that you can't cheat on someone um you don't even know what they're feeling what they're thinking so just deal with it I guess push it aside or push it down whatever and we you know we were together for another two years and everything was fine I think how do you get through two years I don't know I think because at the time I was like no this is just a fleeting thing because I'd always grown up being like, no, you will have crushes or feelings on different people. I thought this all, like this too shall pass, you know. I just honestly thought like it'll go away or things will just get better. Like we're just in a rut, you know, we've been together for so long and I've just told this beautiful boy that I don't want kids and it's just a rough patch that we've got to, we've got to get through, but we will get there. And I think day to day we did and I'll, I'll tell anyone that Day to day, we worked so well together. Like we were just that couple, but we weren't fantastic at talking about big ticket issues. I was just going to say, did you have a conversation about what went on in your mind in that trip at all in those two years? Not a whole lot, no. I guess because we eventually reverted back to our normal day to day life, it was almost just like a band aid for a bullet wound, you know, like it was fine. I guess we almost created a new normal. So it just felt okay and I felt like I was dealing with things as as well as I could. Coming up after the break, how Liv broke off her engagement in search of herself. But first, it's time for a Bumble break. Zara, Bumble is dedicated to ensuring their platform is as inclusive as possible for their community of over 70 million users worldwide. They're constantly seeking new ways to learn and grow, both as an app and as a company, which we love. That's right, Mish. Bumble's focus is on making sure your experience is both positive and empowering. Over the course of just a few months, Bumble has partnered with experts at GLAAD, HRC and other representatives from LGBTQIA plus advocacy organisations, including the diversity and inclusion training platform Translator to help Bumble better provide a space that makes folks from across the gender spectrum feel safe and seen. With their guidance, Bumble has created an extensive list of gender options for their community. Whether you're brand new to Bumble or just setting up an account, or you've used the app before but wish to select an option beyond the binary, how you identify on Bumble is up to you. At registration, you can select a binary choice or tap more options to expand the list. Existing community members are able to update their gender identity at any time by tapping the grey pencil icon and then the gender option under My Basic Info. You can also decide whether you'd like to show your gender identity to potential matches. Opting to do so will mean your gender identity appears alongside your profile badges, but also know that this can be toggled on and off whenever you like. Download Bumble today and make the first move. One app, three modes, one mission. 
So two years goes by. Yeah. What happens after that? So it gets to a point where I'm feeling like this isn't – it's been two years. This is not going away. Like you need to figure this out. And I am – God, I am reading so many articles about, you know, coming out and I'm I'm talking to counsellors and I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And, I mean, I haven't spoken to anyone about it, never. Not even the friend? Uh, no, I just – I could never because I, I really just didn't want to rock the boat unnecessarily. Um, I think the big turning point for me and my best friend will laugh so hard at this. We were up in Canberra for a mutual friend's 30th and just in the middle of the party, we're sitting there and I just start bawling my eyes out and I tell her the whole thing. And it really was like in Mean Girls when Lindsay Lohan's like, it's like word vomit. It absolutely (laughs) was like once I started, I could not stop like a waterfall it was the worst and like I don't cry and I was just like what is this so I tell her everything I tell her that everything completely changed when I was overseas that we haven't completely been the old Jason and Liv where we've had to find a new normal and I think he's fine with it but I don't think it's great and then I tell her that there's this girl in my life that I have strong strong feelings for and it's been that way for a long time and I I don't know what to do about it. And I think it's bigger than having a crush. I think it's it's a big part of me. Was it love? It definitely wasn't because the thing is once I started I, – once I had that conversation, I then told two other friends that I knew would understand and be quite nurturing about. And then as soon as I started having those conversations, I realised it wasn't about this friend that I thought I had feelings for. It was about me the whole time. I guess it was just more like what she represented because she was gay and I think it's just about what she represented to me and once I started having those conversations you know I think I I think this is who I am it's it's strange now that I look back and I'm like I don't know how I ever thought I had feelings for this person like we're just not compatible at all but it really was just like I don't know just she was just what she just represented what I have I guess I've always been how did your best friend and your two other friends react so best friend was fine I mean she said I didn't see this coming because she was one of the people I guess that saw Jason and I as the forever couple and just because I'd never mentioned it previously like I'd never mentioned any feelings like that previously so she was shocked but really supportive and especially once I started talking to her about it more I think she really appreciated that I started opening up about it and she was just really encouraging about, you know, finding this new side of yourself. And, you know, she was obviously very encouraging that I needed to speak to Jason and and figure out where the relationship sat in the context of my sexuality. But I never felt for a minute that she turned her back on me. She was really supportive. So at what point do you decide to tell Jason? I think I'd spoken to a couple of counsellors about it just because I kept having this internal conflict, you know, where I was like, he is my fiancé. He, he needs to know everything about me. He deserves to know this, especially because it is affecting my demeanour. He should know this. But then the other part of me was like, I love him. I don't want this relationship to end. Why rock the boat unnecessarily? So you still didn't want it to end? I didn't want it to. I loved him very much and it was safe, you know, and I, I couldn't imagine not being together. And sometimes I wonder if that was 
because it was safe and comfortable and easy and almost habit. And when I spoke to some counsellors, they basically said, look, this can go either way. It could be a really easy, enriching conversation for you and your partner. However, it could go the other way where the relationship cracks and ends. It's really up to you to decide whether or not you want to take that risk. Like, I, I think it was just they were like, you know, we encourage you to be open and free, but it's worth being aware of what could happen. And they just pointed out that the whole coming out process is just as much for the partner as it is for the person coming out. So I was just really mindful of being respectful. And so we were at home on a Friday night and I said, let's just have a couple of bottles of wine and some pizza. I had to be so red wine drunk to have this conversation. And I had talking notes because that's who I am as a person. And I just said, look, you know, you've obviously noticed that things have changed. And I went on to tell him that I was, you know, battling about whether to have the conversation with him or not because I didn't want to rock the boat, but I think he deserved to know everything about me and this is a big part of me. And I told him that I loved him very much but was attracted to females. And I told him I didn't want his immediate reaction. I wanted him to go away for a little while and think about what it meant to him and what it meant about our relationship. You know, I explained to him that I I didn't want us to end, but I could understand that it could create a fracture. And he took it really well. I I wasn't sure if it's not that... Yeah, I'm not sure if it's that it didn't sink in with him straight away or if he really was just being very kind and respectful about the whole thing. But we had the conversation and we went to bed and then the next day we were just normal. And a few weeks later he then sat me down and we had a, another conversation where he basically just said, look, if, if you're in, I'm in. But at the same time, if you need to go and figure this out, you know, you should. But if you're in, I'm in. And, yeah, we... We just kept going for a few more months. So I think by this point it was about July 2018 and we ended things early October. So it was only a few more months that we ended things. And I think, I don't even know what exactly happened. I think we just, even from there, we stopped, we both stopped consciously connecting. You know, we weren't making that effort. I'd go out with my friends and do things. He'd go out with his friends and do things. And it just seemed like we were kind of more housemates than anything else and, and best friends. Um, we're just not sharing details about our lives with one another and I think that was coming from both ends. Trying to protect yourselves because you knew it was going to end. I think so. I think we both saw the writing on the wall, you know, and, and that I guess was just because we never spoke about big ticket issues. Kids were obviously a big issue for us and that was, you know, a con- a big factor in the breakup as well but it's almost like we would have these conversations put a pin in it and then just ignore it for months and then it would just build again so day to day everything was fine but there was always an elephant in the room how did it feel when it all ended it was I was heartbroken it was so weird because I guess like we were functioning like a normal couple to the outside and I mean we would still we would still have sex you know once or twice a week and I know a lot of people say that's the first thing to go, but I, I, I guess I kind of felt like I need to keep this up and I wasn't enjoying it at all. I think for the last year and a half, two years, probably from when I got back from my trip and I started realising that things weren't right, we would have sex. It would be strictly business, basically. And then because I would usually go to bed first, 
I would say, oh, I'm just going to have a shower or I'm going to go to bed. And he would go downstairs, watch TV, sort out his lunch for the next day. And I would just cry. And I never let him know that I did that. But I would just cry so hard because I knew I wasn't enjoying it. And I thought I meant to. Like, I grew up in a very sex positive, progressive household. I've always enjoyed sex and I'm hating it now. Like, it, I, I don't enjoy it. And it was so hard because that's when I knew, like, something is not right here. And it wasn't him at all because he was always so lovely and respectful and caring. But it, there was def- definitely something askew with me and what I was feeling. So when we broke up, it was so hard because there was just so much going through my head, you know, like we've been together for seven and a half years. Surely we can work this out. Where am I going to live? <laughs> like the logistical side of things. And it was his house that we were living in. Oh, it was just so hard. So I went to my best friend's house for the day and we just kind of got red wine drunk because that's just the pattern in my life. <laughs> and I just, I was, I remember talking to her and saying, should I just go home and see if we can work it out? And She's just like, I'm going to be so disappointed in you if you do that. She's like, you know what, you, like, you've changed and I really love this. She's like, you're so much stronger and you know exactly what you want and you're not afraid to go for it. And, she's, and she said, you know, you've discovered this whole new side of yourself. You can't miss this opportunity to figure that out. She's like, you know, I'll stand by you no matter what you do, but just know I will not support the decision to go back to him. As much as I love him and I think he's fantastic, I would not support that decision. Sounds like a good friend. Such a good friend. Oh, my God. And so I went back to the house that night and it was as fine as it could be. Even when we broke up, he was so like we were both so fine with one another. Oh, you guys. <laughs> it's so weird. Like it was so amicable. And then another friend of mine who I played soccer with on Monday nights, she was going to China with her husband for a few weeks and she basically just gave me her apartment key and she's like, use this, don't use this, I don't care. But I think you should not be in that household for a few weeks just to sort your head out. So I stayed there for a few weeks and Jason and I had the uh, the second breakup, which is basically where you just confirm <laughs> that it's done we're not going back I feel like everybody has that oh, like it you need it though yeah, I feel like if you sure. just have one breakup I'm like it's not done <laughs> it's gonna come back so we had the second breakup uh Thursday after we'd broken up and I had a few days off work so just for background that weekend was grand final weekend for AFL and NRL I'm a Collingwood supporter and I am a Melbourne Storm supporter Collingwood lost Saturday night it was a close one too wasn't it it was so bad oh my god Michelle's not here but she'll be (laughs) impressed with my football knowledge (laughs) and Storm lost on Sunday night so when I went to work all bleary eyed the next day everyone just thought I was salty because of the footy and I was like this is fine like I don't need you people to know anything about me this is fine (laughs) and then eventually I told my manager and I'm like oh look just so you know this happened and she's like don't come in for the next few days so I went and visited my mum she lives in um like regional Victoria went and stayed with her for a few nights came back had the second breakup and then moved into the apartment that my friend had lent me I guess and that made a world of difference, just having that separation and I guess letting myself feel it. You know, sometimes you feel like I've got this, I'm on top of it. And then the next minute you're crying because I can't do something that normally I'd have someone else to help me with. And that's when I started like looking for share houses and I guess going through all that sort of stuff so I could get out of the house as soon as possible. Even though Jason had been like, stay here as long as you need, it's totally fine. Like I'd rather you here and safe than jumping into a share house yeah. for the sake of it. But I was just like, I need I need this to be as clean as possible. So I'm just going to get out as soon as I can. Do you start dating? Oh, so this, I feel horrible. I feel horrible about, I jumped on Bumble three weeks after 
which to me confirmed how disconnected we had been for so long. Because even though I felt horrible in that it was only three weeks after a seven and a half year relationship had broken down, I was just, I felt horrible about that. But then also I was like, I feel ready. And I also kind of know myself in that if I don't do it soon, I will lose my nerve and I will just not do this. Because I'd never dated a girl. I was going to say, what was it like to go on dates with girls for the first time? It was, oh my God. So my first one was three and a half weeks after we'd broken up. I'm still living with him at this point. I'd gone from the apartment back to the house. And I'd started speaking to this girl for maybe three days. And she suggested we go for a drink. And I thought, okay, I've got to do this. So we arranged to meet at a pub in Richmond. And I think I'm maybe five, ten minutes early. And even just like the first ten paces into the pub, I'm having... 50 conflicting thoughts like you could just leave she would never know like she doesn't know like that you're here or that you're early you could just leave and not you know not look back and just forget it all and just go and cry basically (laughs) but I thought no I'm just going to get a drink and I'm going to sit down because a drink will almost anchor me here so I did that and then five minutes later she got there and god I was shitting myself but it was good it was a really good first date. You know, conversation was fantastic. I think we were there for like four hours. We did trivia, like drag trivia. It was really fun. We had a really great time and we went on a few more dates and that all went really well. We did sort of end things maybe a month later, but it just gave me the confidence to be like, I've made the right decision and it validated everything that I'd been feeling for two years. And I thought this is where I'm meant to be. This is what I'm meant to be doing. Like, this is right. This is how it's meant to feel. Like, this is this is how it's meant to feel when you kiss someone. This is how it's meant to feel when you do this with someone else. And it just, it was such a relief because I didn't want everything to be in vain. And it just felt right. You said in your email to us and just off mic before we jumped on, that even though your best friend and your friends who you told initially were very, very supportive and, and Jason was very supportive, you were terrified to tell the other people in your life. Tell yeah. us about that. Oh, I think part of that was because I had been with Jason for so long. I was just really worried that people wouldn't or couldn't fathom the idea that you were just with Jason and now you're with girls. Like, I don't get it. But then, you know, the logical part of my brain always knew that the people in my life are the kinds of people who support equal rights. Um, They're the kinds of people who voted yes in the plebiscite and they're the kinds of people who shut down homophobia. But there's just this part of your brain that is just like, no, 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 like this will change. This will change everything. They won't love you as much. They won't want you around their families. They, they'll just stop inviting you to things because they, want, they won't want you there. They'll feel uncomfortable. And it, it's completely overwhelming. You know, I would have my coming out conversation with someone and I would just cry so much through the whole thing. And I just wouldn't have it again for a few months because I was just emotionally exhausted And a lot of the time, that's what it was. You know, I've only kind of in the last year stopped crying when I've had the conversation because it's just, it would just get so overwhelming. And I think the biggest revelation for me was when I came out to my brother and sister-in-law. So they have two kids and I was in my new share house. I'd probably been there for about three months, but they hadn't seen it. And my brother was just really insistent, like, we're coming over, we're coming over. I think he just wanted to make sure I wasn't living in a crack house just protective older brother (laughs) thing like classic and so then we went out like he came over and then we went out for lunch and he was like towards the end we're having coffees and I'm thinking I need to do this I said yes to this lunch so I could have this conversation with them 
and he is walking around the kids because they're just a bit restless. It's been a couple of hours and my sister-in-law and I are just sitting there and I thought, right, I'm just going to tell them each separately, like I'm just going to do this. And so I say, I've got something to tell you and I talk her through everything. I say, you know, obviously Jason and I have broken up because of X, Y and Z reasons. There's also this. I said, I, I am gay. I, you know, I really hope this doesn't change anything or affect anything, but I, I really want you to think about what this means for our family and everything. You know, I want you to really think about it. And she's like, there's nothing to think about. And I don't know why I was so nervous. And so she said, look, let's go back to your place, have a cuppa. I'll look after the boys and you can tell your brother. So then obviously I'm crying because that's just what I do. <laughs> and um, my brother comes back to the table and he can see that I've been crying and the mood's just a little bit different. So he's like, what's wrong? And so he's like, you know what, we're going to go back to Libby's and we're going to have a cuppa. And so we go back and I can imagine, because we drove separately, I can imagine what that car ride would have been like for them, where my brother would have just been like, what's going on? And she would have just been saying, no, 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 like Livy will talk it through with you. It's fine. And so then we're sitting down at my house and I basically just have the exact same conversation that I've had with my sister-in-law, just Jason and I have broken up. Also, I'm gay. Please love me. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, he just said the same thing. He's like, you know, we grew up in the same household. I don't know why you think this would matter. They went on to say that they've had conversations about their approach if if any of their kids come out and they said they don't care. Like they just want them and me to be happy and loved and have that feeling again. And I think for me that was the hugest turning point because I think I was I was just thought to myself, why don't I give people in my life enough credit? I know that the logical part of my brain knows that they will not care, but I work myself up into such a state thinking that they will, but no one's reacted poorly. Like, why aren't I giving these people in my life the credit? What's your relationship with Jason like now? Really good. We're really good friends. We see each other probably once every couple of months. We text pretty regularly. He's in a new relationship and I think it's much more suited to what he needs yeah, it's it's super friendly. You know, I sort of think what kind of person could take everything that we've been through and still want to be friends. And, you know, he's it's just a testament to his character. You know, he's just so respectful and so lovely and really supportive. Probably one of my biggest champions, you know. I think we had a conversation last February where I said, look, you know, just so you know, I've definitely only dated girls since we've broken up. And he's like, you know what, I would have been really pissed off if – that hadn't been the case because I wouldn't want it all to be in vain. Of course. So, yeah, we're fantastic. And how are you? Good, good. I stopped crying. <laughs> have you got a partner? Are you still dating? Um, I do have someone quite special. So she's overseas for six months at the moment, just seeing Africa and Egypt and Europe and everything. Um, but we have been seeing each other since March. We actually met on Bumble and it's – fantastic you know she makes me laugh she calms me down because I tend to write, run quite anxious so she calms me down we yeah we just love spending time together and I never thought it's not that I never thought that would happen again I guess I just kind of always thought I wouldn't feel that kind of love again you know that really like all-consuming really infectious joyous love and that's definitely what I have what have you learned about yourself through this entire thing and love too I have never cried so much in my life than I did in the last year and a half or two years. I think it's just trust the people around you that 
they will support you no matter what. Because I, I look back to everything that happened and I think, how would I have responded if my best friend had come out to me? And I wouldn't care. So why did I think that anyone else would care? But at the same time, there's just that emotional part of your brain that completely takes over everything and there's just no sense of logic there. How do you feel about love now? Good. I feel very good. Obviously, I had a really good, solid relationship with Jason and everything was good and easy, but there's just something about the love that I have now that I really do see that future. I do see us going on holidays in the future and exploring the world and having a house together. I see all that sort of stuff, whereas I think for the last two years of my relationship with Jason I stopped seeing that and sometimes questioned if I'd ever seen it at all or if it was just I was just going on day by day whereas in my current relationship with Jamie I see all that I can visualize everything that's going to happen and yeah I love it Love Etc. is a production from Shameless Media. Sign up to Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move towards friendship, professional and romantic relationships. We will be back in your ears on Friday.